Church, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, two of you have your Bibles today. If you'll take those out. If you have your uh, tablet, your phone, your smart device, whatever it might be, I hope you've downloaded the Bible app and uh, you've, you've gone to the, the menu down in the bottom right-hand corner and you've pulled that up and you've scrolled down to events. Click on events and you will see Community of Grace there at that point on the Bible app and you can follow along in my sermon outline there and take notes and save them as long as you have an account with them and give them your social security and credit card. Not really. But yeah, that's there. Hope that uh, you, you'll take advantage of that resource. Today we continue with a series of messages. Uh, a series of messages on conquering your giants. We all have giants in our lives. We have things that wake up in the morning that uh, when we wake up in the morning, they're greeting us with loud, bellowing voices. Good morning. Just ready to greet us for the day, to continue to be a giant that terrorizes us. We've been coming out of the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He's a very familiar story, David and Goliath. And uh, we continue to work through that. This last week in our life group, we stopped for just a moment, and we remembered 9-11. I opened up and asked, where were you? And I'm guessing that unless you're 17, 18 years old or younger, you don't remember, but the rest of us do. You remember exactly where you were. I found it interesting that uh, even this last week, that emotions still ran high as we talked about 9-11. Uh, a few years after the attacks on the, on the towers, uh, Catherine and I were in New York on, on Long Island visiting uh, some of our extended family. Uh, my stepbrother and I went and played golf on one of the golf courses there. And this course was right under the final approach Flight, flight path for planes coming into LaGuardia. And, and I'm telling you, man, it, it, being on the tee box or somewhere on the course and just, just right, just right there. It felt like they were as high as the ceiling, but obviously they were way higher than that. But they were just right on top of us. And I, I made a comment to David. I was like, that, it's weird being here in New York City and, and hearing that. And he said, Joel, you wouldn't believe how many people have had to move from New York because of that. It triggers, it takes them right back to that day, and they literally freeze. They vapor lock, man. They, they couldn't function. They, they just, that sound, just boom, terror was on them and had to move away. Fear is a, is a giant. So before we get started today, I want... I want you to repeat something with me a couple of times. And the first thing I want you to repeat with me is that God is able. Say that with me. God is able. God is able. Say that. God is able. 
Uh, if we leave today, if you leave today, and you do not grab a hold of that fact and, and own it, I don't want you to just grab a hold of it here. I want you to own the fact that whatever giant you're facing, God is able. Say it with me. God is able. Giant of fear is real, and some of you know that more intimately than others. Sometimes our fears are, are uh, valid, sometimes are, we make them up somehow, but it's a fear. It's things we deal with. Have you, have you identified your fears in your life? Have you identified those things that keep you awake at night? No matter how hard we try, we've convinced ourselves that something bad is going to happen. That's fear. I'm afraid of blank. And we're convinced that something bad's going to happen. What's your fear? Do you have one? Now, there might be someone in the room that says, Joel, I'm not afraid of anything. Okay. You can take a nap for the next two hours. But for the rest of us, we would say, we would identify, identify things like insecurities and, and other things. And, or maybe, maybe your fears look like some of these pictures. Uh, I, I have some pictures I hope that uh, we can see. Anybody have this fear? Huh? Yeah. How, how about this next one? I, I was telling some people, I may have shared it in church a couple weeks ago, right by my truck, I was walking to my, get in my truck, and right, right underneath my car, my truck door, there was a snake about that long. <laughs> I'm telling you, I went running away like the biggest chicken. <laughs> I can't believe I just confessed that. Guys, I'm joking, it really <laughs> It was a rattlesnake, and it was coiled up. It was about to strike. Hey, or how about this next one? I mean, this is a famous photograph of heights. Anybody? Heights? Yeah. I mean, it's real. These fears that we have. What about this? Needles? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, you can pass right on past that one. Uh, what? I may know one or two people. I'm trying not to look at people in the face right now. <laughs> what about this next one? Dogs? Hey, Catherine and I were at Lazy Dog uh, we, for dinner the other night. And if, you don't, if you're not familiar with this place out at Southlands, you can bring your dog out on the patio. And as we were going in, there was a family coming out. And this, this little girl in the family coming out, she walked out of the door, and right there was the cutest little puppy you've ever seen. And she literally jumped behind me and used me as a, a human shield. It scared her to death. I mean, she was scared of this fluff ball of a puppy. I mean, it was about this next one. Germs? Anybody? You have a fear of germs? Now here's the deal. I could stay extremely superficial today and address things like this. This ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things of our heart, things on the inside. I'm talking about things that 
terrify you, even though the spider not, might not be present. Talking about things that keep us awake. Will you say this with me? God is able. God is able. Here's the powerful truth that I want every person to grab a hold of today. Fear, though it may taunt us, it doesn't have ultimate power. Jesus has ultimate power. I was blown away by the songs that we sang this morning and how great our God is. How wonderful our Savior is. We all need to understand that fear that our giants are already conquered by what Jesus did on the cross. But they're still real. They still wait for us every morning when we wake up. We must keep our focus on Jesus. Will you say that with me? I must keep my focus on Jesus. One more time. I must keep my focus on Jesus. We have to realize that the opposite of faith is fear. The opposite of fear is faith. So I want to suggest a few or three different sources of fear in my life and in your life. This is on your outline if you want to follow along there. The first one is this, that fear comes from our training. Some of you will understand this very clearly. You were brought up in a home. You were brought up in an environment where in every situation, oh, oh, be careful. Be be careful when you go out there and do that because when I grew up, did they even make helmets for when you went out and rode your bicycle? Huh? Did they even make elbow pads and knee pads? Guys, we drank water from a garden hose. Some of you can relate to the idea of growing up in an environment where you're taught to be fearful of nearly every situation. That little girl coming out of the restaurant the other night was taught somehow, either she had a bad experience with a dog or she had been taught in her training to be afraid of dogs. Oftentimes, one of the sources of our fear comes from our training. I grew up in a home where uh, when, when, when things were either scary or they were painful, I grew up in a home where the statement was, don't let little things bother you. Man, it's going to feel better when it stops hurting. I mean, it's... It, that wasn't an environment that I grew up in, but oftentimes fear comes from our training. A second source of fear sometimes comes from our cover-up, from our own cover-up. We all have mistakes. We all have sin. We have things that we're embarrassed by that we don't want other people to know. We don't want people to see that in us, that we don't want people to understand that we struggle with this because if people really knew me, if people really knew what I wrestled with on the inside, there's no way they would like me and there's no way they would welcome me at church. 
And so that is a fertile environment for fear. Trying to be perfect all the time, trying to cover up our mistakes, trying to cover up our sins can terrify us. It is a place where fear grows. Covering things up will drive us mad. We need to lay those feelings at the foot of the cross. The third place I would suggest that fear might come from would be our need to control things. Know anybody like that? They, they want to be in control, but when they can't control others, when they can't control the outcomes, when they can't control the way things are going to turn out, it terrifies them. It scares them to death. I don't know what's going to happen, and, I, and I'm out of control, and it's one of the sources of fear. Louis Giglio made a statement that I thought was worthy of noting. The antidote to fear is faith, and the soundtrack of faith is worship. We go back to our story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you want to turn there, uh, I encourage you to do so because I want you to take, take note of verse 4 there in chapter 17. You'll remember uh, the story is going on where uh, the Philistine army is down on... It's on this side of the valley, and their army was camped out. And every morning they would get up, do breakfast, whatever, and would get into battle formation. On this side of the valley was the Hebrew army, and they would do the same thing. They would ultimately in the morning get in their battle formation, and this valley in between. All of a sudden, every morning, this giant, well, let's just read about him. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet his head on his head and wore a coat of scales of armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Listen, that's, uh, you probably have a footnote in your Bible down to the bottom of the page. That's 125 pounds of just the armor that he wore on his, on his body. Well, Joel, I don't know how much 125 pounds is. Here's what you do know. When you go to the airport, your luggage is allowed to weigh how much? Two and a half times that he wore on his chest, on his back. He didn't just wear it. He went into battle with it. This dude was big. I, last week, I stood on the floor, and you can see how tall I am, uh, and nine feet, six inches tall. The bottom of that screen is nine feet, four inches tall. Now, he's a big dude. But I want you to notice something in verse 4. A champion named Goliath. Do you realize that a champion, that title has to be earned? You have to earn that title. You can't just put that on yourself. Championships are, are earned. An NFL championship, like we're going to win this year here in Denver, <laughs> is earned. We can't just buy the rings now and say we're the champion. Like the Rockies, when they win the uh, ALCS, I mean, it's NLCS. 
They can't just claim it. They have to earn it. And Scripture says this guy named Goliath was a champion. He had a reputation. He had history. And there's some of you in this room who have history with your giant. See, a champion has been victorious over the years. He's won battle after battle after battle. And every morning, some of you wake up to your champion coming through the battle lines and stepping out into the middle of the valley and taunting you to come out and fight. And it terrifies you day in and day out. You learned this a minute ago. God is able. Say that. God is able. See, the giant you're facing, fear may be big, but it ain't too big for God. It is not too big for God. We see in verses 4 through 7 how big this giant was that David was facing. We see in verse 11, look at that with me, on hearing the, the Philistines' words, his tauntings, Saul and all of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were frozen, just like the people that, that David was referring to in New York City, that when the planes flew over, it triggered and they were terrified. It saddens my heart to think that churches everywhere might be filled with people that come into church each week and are inspired by the Spirit of God to be strong, to make new commitments in their life. And they also realize that as soon as those doors right there open up and they walk out and that sunshine hits them right in the face when they walk out of these doors, their enemy is waiting on them. Hey, how was church today? Hey, did you make a commitment this week? Because you know a couple of weeks ago you did the same thing. You, hey, do you remember when you walked up to that cross and you put that yellow sticky note on there about someone you needed to forgive? Remember that week? That was great. You had a great week. But do you also realize that right now you have the same bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart? It was a good try, though. And your enemy, this giant, is waiting for you. And today I need you to grab a hold and understand this fact. Say it with me. God is. Listen, determination is not the solution here, is it? It's faith. It is faith that God is able. My attention went to <clears throat> passage in Matthew chapter 14 this week. You know the story. Jesus had an idea. He told his disciples, hey, why don't you guys get in the boat and head on out across to the other side. I'll catch up. So off they go. They're out in the middle of the lake. What happens? Storm comes up. They may have been out there for hours fighting against this storm. And they look up and they see, they see Jesus walking across the water. You know the story, right? Peter looks out. They all look out. Peter's the only one that says, Jesus, if that's you, call me out. Jesus says, come on. So Peter throws that first leg across the boat. 
he throws that second one, and he's looks up at the guys, and it's working, man. He turns his eyes, and he sees Jesus, and he lets go of the side of the boat, and he starts walking towards Jesus. And then it says in Matthew 14, I have to read the verse to you. I, I just need you to see this. Verse 30 of chapter 14. But when he saw the wind. Hey, when's the last time you saw wind? If any of you have ever sailed or been out on water much, you can, you've learned how to read the water. You can see the wind. You can see when gusts of wind are coming across the water, you learn how to read the wind. It just shows itself on the water. And it says that Peter, when he saw the wind, he could tell that a gust was coming. He could tell that something was coming. He saw the wind, and what happened? When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Some of you in this room have learned how to see the wind when things are coming and it terrifies you and it freezes you in your tracks. And today I hope that every one of us walks out of this room with a new anchor in our life. Say it with me. God is able. So what did Peter do? He began to sink and he looks up and he says, Jesus, save me. The solution to our giant is not more determination, it's faith. He said, Jesus, save me. And scripture says that immediately Jesus reached down and caught him. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And see, that's one of the things that our giants do in our lives. It, they cause doubts. And I, I, I want us, every one of us, to realize and understand God is able. Will you make it a part of your habit, your rhythm of life, that when you see the wind, you, hey, before you start sinking, Jesus, help me. Jesus, save me. I wonder what the conversation was the rest of the way back to the boat. I don't know how far they were from the boat. Were they from here to that Kleenex box? Or were they from here to that wall back there? But I can see Jesus with his arm around Peter, and, and he, he just said to him, man, why did you doubt? Where's your faith? And as they walk across the water, in, in, my, in my mind, I just hear Jesus going, Peter, I've got you, man. Even in the scariest times of life, I've got you. Trust me. Don't trust your ability to work these situations. Trust me. I am able. As Rory taught us one week, and we all remember it. What, what, what was, what, how'd you say it? God's got you. Say it with me. God is able. Friends, I hope that's an echo that comes out of your mouth constantly this week. God is able. 
He's able to see us through. So when you and I are facing those storms in life, and that giant is bellowing outside those doors as soon as you leave, when he's meeting you in the morning when you wake up, before the day even starts, I hope the words that come out of your mouth over and over is, God is able. The victory is already won. I'm going to operate in the victory that I have in Jesus. I think there was an old hymn at one point that's, Victory in Jesus, my Savior for... Uh, hold on, hold on. My Savior only sometimes. Forever, God is able. No matter what you're facing in life, no matter what is terrifying you, God is bigger than that giant, and he is able to defeat. He, I'm sorry, he has already defeated that giant. And just picture yourself, just like Peter, walking back to the boat. Because it said the storm didn't subside until they got in the boat. As soon as they got in the boat, it says, go check me. The wind subsided. He was gonna, he's going to walk with you through the storms. Jesus doesn't send us out in the middle of the lake to let us drown. He gives, we go across the lake to go to the other side. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read these verses. It's on your outline. Paul says these words. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen to this. And we take every thought, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Taking captive every thought. So very quickly, I want to I finish up with four practical to-dos for us this week. I, I, guys, I want, you to, I want you to walk out of here understanding the victory that we have in Jesus. Because God is able. In taking every cap, thought captive, here's, here's four things I want us to remember. We remind ourselves that God is able. Have I rung that bell enough today? If you were to leave today and someone said, hey, what was Joel's sermon about today? God is able. Period. My God is able to save. If you need a passage to write down underneath that, maybe for you to go and reflect on this week, Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 through 34, just go and meditate on that this week. Number two on your outline. Keep the Lord in our sights. Some of you realize or know about me that I'm a gadget guy. I like gadgets. There's a group of guys that have started playing golf and have invited me to play golf a few times in the last month or so, and I saw a gadget come across my Facebook thing, and it's a rangefinder. You know what I'm talking about? No matter where I am on the golf course, I can hold this thing up to my eye and push a button, and it has like a 
crosshairs in the viewfinder. And if I aim it right at the flagpole, it'll tell me exactly how many yards away I am from the pin. And because I'm so good, <laughs> I can pull exactly out the right club, and I can hit it. I, can, I know exactly how much to choke up or down the handle, and so I can hit it exactly that yard. It doesn't help my game at all. But anyway, it's a cool gadget. But for it to work, I've got to like stand motionless. <laughs> I can't wiggle at all, and I've got to hold it right on that flag stick and hit the button, and it'll tell me. But if I, if I waver at all, it misses it, and it'll measure a tree that's way out there 300 yards away. But having that kind of focus is what you and I need to do all day, every day. But here's, here's what happens. We don't have laser focus. We see all this other stuff that's out here. Because when I'm looking through this viewfinder, at this, through this rangefinder, I don't see the lake that's right here beside me the whole way. I don't see all the trees that are over here that are just asking for my ball to be flown right into them and right into the water. No, my eyes, the laser is focused right on the target. And friends, a practical thing that you and I can do is to remember that God is able and we need to keep him in our rangefinder all day, every day. The third thing I want us to see. Oh, before we do that, I missed something in my notes. Will you turn with me to Psalm 16? I don't do this very often, but I'm going to do it today. I'm giving you homework. I'm sure that my wife is appreciating that. She just started back to school and has homework more than she wants. I'm giving you homework. This week, if you have a journal, if you're a person that journals, write it down in this. If you're a person that doesn't journal, you just need to get out some notebook, paper, or whatever. But this week, every day of the week, I'd like for you to write Psalm 16. Just write it down. Just writing out the words, you can read it aloud. That's even, it's even better. Do both of them. But I want you to write down Psalm 16 every day this week. And I want you to pay especially, a special attention. 1-6. I can't do that with my hands, but 1-6. I want you to pay special attention to verse 8. Let's read it together. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Folks, this week, keep Jesus in your rangefinder. Don't be distracted by the giants that are out here yelling and screaming and bellowing and taunting you. Keep Jesus in your rangefinder all week long, saying the echo out of your mouth, God is able. He will see me through. He will take me to the other side of the lake. When I see the wind, when my giant starts bellowing his taunts, I will immediately say, 
Jesus, help me. When that giant comes knocking on the door, I will not get up and go answer the door. I will say, Jesus, will you get that for me? The third thing I want you to make note of and and put into practice is call, call your giant by name. Call it by name. You might say, Joel, my anxiety and my fear is, 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 is growing this week, and will you pray for my anxiety and my, my fear that I'm dealing with? And I would say, what's causing that? I, I'll be glad to pray for your anxiety and your fear, but what's causing it? Is it, is it that $1,000 mortgage payment that, is overdue and you can't, you don't know how you're going to pay it? Is that the cause of it? Is it, is it the layoffs that are happening at work? Is, is that it that's causing the anxiety and the fear? I'll be glad to pray for those things, but let's call it by name. And the fourth thing is this. Let's fill our mouth with praise. Look at verse 9 in Psalm 16. David, the psalmist, says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices, and my body, my body also will rest secure. As I close that, just a story that we probably have all experienced. Do you remember when you were a kid and you were at the grocery store and you got lost? I mean, your parent got lost. You were there looking at Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries and Fruit Loops and Fruity Pebbles, and your parents got lost. Do you remember that moment? And it was terrifying. And should I go that way or that way? And Mom! Remember that? And then you turn the corner and you see her down the next aisle. Do you remember the the joy that comes out of your mouth? When you and I begin to practice the habit of saying, my God is able. When we begin to call it by name. We know that he is right by us. Our mouths will be filled with praise. Two things we can do with our fear. We can forget everything and run. I didn't make that up. I read it somewhere. Or we can face everything and rise. What are you going to do with your fear today? I pray that you leave here understanding that God, what God Needed to do, he did, by sending his son Jesus and conquering sin and death. He conquered all those fears. But maybe you're here today and you have never experienced this love, this salvation that God offers, this nearness that God offers. Maybe you've never experienced that. And today, you would sit here and say, I want some of that. I need that. 
Well, I've got good news for you today. I've got bad news first. And for you to understand good news, you've got to know what the bad, is, bad news is. The bad news is this. Every one of us in this room has sinned and has fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And that sin separates us from God. It's the bad news. Here's the good news. That while we were still sinners, anybody know what happened? God showed his love for us in this, that Christ died on the cross for our sins. I mean, we, nearly every church you go in is going to have one. It's going to be in a prominent place for us to, to continually see it. It's our flag that we wave, the cross. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus. He loved me that much and he loved you that much. That he sent his son Jesus to die and take care of those sins that separate us from God. The Bible also says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Let me ask you a question. Before I do that, I want to tell you one other thing that the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you believed that what he did on the cross was for you? That, that the shedding of his blood was a sacrifice that God found pleasing for all mankind. That includes you. Have you believed in Jesus to be your Savior, to save you from your sin? Today can be the day. Today, God's love is extended to you. And if you're that person that says, Joel, I've been too bad, man, there's no way he could shed enough blood to cover all my sins. Friend, you are gravely mistaken. That one drop of his blood was enough. And today, God extends his hand, and he's just waiting for you to say, Jesus, save me. Will you call on Jesus today? I hope so. I hope so. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and we lay before you our fears, the things that are causing our fears, our anxieties those things that keep us up at night. And Lord, today I want to pray for those that, that, are, that are experiencing real fear. Father, there are circumstances in their life that terrify them. And I pray that today they would come to a place of finding hope and rest and security, knowing that you are able. Lord, I pray that today you would wrap your heart, hands around their heart and walk with them back to the boat, so to speak, and remind them that you got them. Lord, as we leave this place today, the door's open and we walk outside and feel the sunshine and those giants are just out there waiting. 
hoping we had a good time in church. Lord, I pray that today would not just be one of those days where we are going to be more determined. We're going to have more determination to overcome our giants. No, today's going to be a day where we're going to say, Jesus, will you talk to him? I don't want to talk to him today. Jesus, will you fight? Because I don't want to fight today. I give it to Jesus. It belongs to Jesus, and my Jesus is able. Lord, I pray we walk with that kind of confidence. For the person that's here, Lord, that has never trusted in you as, in you as a Savior. And today they would say, that's me. I want to do that. Right now in this moment they can say those words to you and we know that you hear it. In fact, while everyone has their head bowed and their eyes closed, can I just ask if there's someone here today that would say, Joel, that's me. I want to ask Jesus to be my Savior. I've never done that. I want, I want to be found in, in his family. I want to believe and trust in him today. If that's you, will you do me a favor? Just look up and make eye contact with me. And as soon as you make eye contact, you can put your head back down. I just want to know, who am I talking to? Lord, I praise you for those that have trusted you and in, in you as Savior. I, pray, I, I, I praise you for what you're doing in those people that are thinking about it. My heart is thrilled by how many people in this room already know you. My heart is thrilled to know that you're going to walk with us no matter what we face. And with you at our right hand, with you as our shield, as our refuge, we find comfort. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to transition to an exciting time uh, for our church. Uh, today we're going to take just a few minutes, extend our service uh, uh, for, for a little bit to do something that this is a first for me. I've never had the privilege or opportunity to do this. Uh, today we're going to participate as a church body in the ordination of, of one of our members. Jeff, where are you at? Come on up, Jeff. Jeff Drury, uh, some of you have known for years. You know Jeff's journey. Jeff may share some of that journey here in just a moment. I'm going to ask him to share testimony with us. But for the past few months, he, we've been going through a process with him. Uh, Jeff has, been, has met with an ordination committee. That committee was made up of Larry Walters, Steve Vetito, and Joe Eikenseer. We submitted to Jeff a, a series of theological questions that we asked Jeff to make his way through and answer and send back to us. Jeff did that. We then met with Jeff and uh, grilled him up one side and down the other over his answers. And what does he mean by that? And, and had him explain this committee of men that I, I sincerely trust their, their uh, biblical stance and theological understanding.